happy epiphany. Uh, But what is epiphany, though? I have some answers, but I actually want to know what you think. What is epiphany? What are we doing? I heard somebody say something, but I couldn't hear you. Men, maybe. What kind of men? The magi, Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes, I heard it. I heard that. Three wise men, a small voice in the back. Good work. Anything else? Like what, what is, why? So? Spreading the news to the world. What did you say? Celebrate what? Celebrate the Christ child. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Anybody want to cheat and look at the first page of your bulletin? <laughs> Manifestation. <laughs> Among other things, yes. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> epiphany, of course, means a lot of different things, but that's, that's a good point. I mean, the, the word epiphany is, is a manifestation, right? We'll come to that. Um, right, so we, we think of this story of, uh, of the epiphany, it, kind of in our brains it gets lumped together with the rest of the Christmas story, right? You've got um, the angel appearing to Mary, and you've got um, them traveling to Bethlehem, and the shepherds, and the star, and the manger, and the whole bit, right? And the magi are part of that. We tend to visually, if you think of it, they're all together. Um, but of course, this is its own thing. Now, here's the deal. You may have noticed I did not read, well, I said it once, but it's not, I didn't say the wise men, I said the magi. Because in Greek, it does not say three wise men. It says magi. We don't know how many there were. We don't know if they were dudes. I don't know how wise they were. <laughs> Traveling that far doesn't seem like a good choice, but whatever. The word is magi, magicians, sorcerers from far away. This story, you guys, this is wild. These people from some foreign country far away who did magic and it worked, figured out this kid was being born far away, went there, brought with them extremely expensive gifts that also, not coincidentally, because it's Matthew's gospel, are entirely symbolic of Jesus' life and death. Gold for king, frankincense and myrrh for death and resurrection. Did they actually bring those things? Maybe, not the point. Matthew's point is, these people from far away who could not possibly have known anything about Jesus, anything about the Jews, could not have cared less about Yahweh as a deity did magic, saw him, went there, took gifts. What? This story is very weird (laughs) and very beautiful. It's showing us a lot of different things. At the very least, it is showing us this um, idea of seeing the presence of God in places that we don't expect or people we don't expect seeing the presence of God in our own lives. It's wild. (laughs) It's wild stuff. The word itself, epiphany, uh, is a manifestation, as we now all know from the bulletin. Thank you, Kevin. (laughs) It means a manifestation, but it's also an appearance. In the Eastern Orthodox Church, this uh, church festival is called theophany, which is a similar word. It's the presence of God, suddenly seeing the presence of God, the sudden appearance. So if you think about, um, say, the story of God appearing to the Israelites on top of Mount Sinai, and it's a, a storm with lightning and thunder, that's a theophany. God showing up suddenly overwhelmingly. And so similarly with an epiphany, God is present and visible. We see God. But this can't be the only one, right? 
just this one about the Magi? This is not the only time that people have had sudden manifestations of God. We just had one. Christmas, right? But it's also, it's all through the scriptures. When Jesus calls the disciples, when Peter uh, is asked, when Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the anointed one. That's an epiphany. It's an epiphany when Moses stands in front of the, the bush that is burning but is not consumed and experiences the presence of God in a sudden, amazing way. Or any of the resurrection appearances. There are epiphanies all over the place. Ancient authorities uh, in the early church would say the feeding of the 5,000 was an epiphany. The raising of Lazarus was an epiphany. Makes sense, right? Historically, the nativity, meaning Christmas, the birth of Jesus, and epiphany, the journey of the wise, it's hard not to say it, isn't it? The journey of the magi, and Jesus' baptism, all three of them were the same day. In the early church, we celebrated all of those things on January 6th. And what's fascinating about that is the baptism was the primary celebration, not the birth, not the magi. Birth is fine. Baptism in the River Jordan, the Holy Spirit coming down like a dove and saying, this is my son. Like, you can't get much more direct. This is my son, my beloved, in who I am well pleased. That was the celebration, the baptism of our Lord. And then we kind of split them apart and did our own little, our own little things. I just want to share this with you because I think this is amazing. I was looking all this kind of stuff up and researching this week, and I ran across this story that I think we need to prepare for for next year. On January 6th, apparently, some parts of the church, uh, you would put a crucifix in water, but not like a bowl of water, like a, a river or a lake or a stream, something like that. And then this says, in quotations, you would do a complicated ritual. So we have a year to figure out what that is. <laughs> we do a complicated ritual, um, and then, quote, the people consider that all ailments, spiritual and physical, can be cured by the application of the blessed water. Put a crucifix in some living water on January 6th, drink the water, everything will be fine. Let's get it done, guys. I think we should do this. Epiphany is a lot of things. It is this baptism, it is, it is uh, the magi, it is nativity, and it includes this standalone celebration that we have now, that we say the epiphany, the, the arrival of the Magi, is the symbol of Christ being for all people. Not just for the Jews, but also not just for us in this building or for us Lutherans or whatever. The Christ child is for everyone. That's beautiful. Whoop. But we do need to back up one step. Because this reading uh, from Isaiah, gorgeous, arise, shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has dawned upon you. Amazing. I'm not teaching you a song, I have a song with all those words in it, but <laughs> this reading is so glorious, and it is not about Jesus. I know that's hard. It is a fine interpretation for us after the fact, but it's really important for us to remember that when the prophets are talking about the Messiah, they have no knowledge of Jesus, son of Mary. They're talking about the hoped-for Messiah of the Jews. And it's really important to, to remember that because so much of the Hebrew scriptures has been used in anti-Semitic ways. So it's just important to, to name that, right? This reading, Rise, Shine, 
The nations are going to bring, are going to come to your light. It's gorgeous. This part of Isaiah, this little bitty chunk at the end, is the, the sort of hopeful section of Isaiah. It is written after or as the Jews are coming back from exile. They've been um, in a foreign land for 50 years. They're being returned home. And it's so exciting. It's so exciting. We get to be back at home again. And what Isaiah is saying is it's not just that you get to go home. Those people who took you, they're going to rebuild all your stuff. They're going to bring you back themselves. They're going to contribute all the money and supplies that are needed to rebuild the temple and your homes and replant your gardens. That uh, copper they took from you, they're going to repay in gold. The iron they took from you, they're going to repay in silver. It's reparations. It's amazing. It's so beautiful. And what a hopeful feeling when you have had, historically, everything taken away from you, when you've been taken away from your home, when you have been the one who has to build somebody else's house, to have your enemies, your captors, rebuilding yours. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's the opposite of exile. And a big part of this story, as Jews read it, is those outside of our community will see our light, who is God. It's a surprise. It's weird. The, the historic experience would not be that anyone outside of the Jewish people would recognize their humanity, would recognize the glory and the joy and the delight and the sacredness within that community. That's what this, this is saying. This is going to happen. This is what the Messiah brings. This is what happens when we return home. This is about human connection. It is the miracle of enemies changing their minds. And it has uh, a lot of resonances in Scripture. I, I won't go through all of them, but there's one that you may have noticed as we were reading. Um, the kingdom of Sheba was mentioned uh, in one of the passages. I love this story. Um, you remember Solomon? King Solomon had all the things. <laughs> all the riches, all the wealth. Uh, 2,000 wives, which I guess is a good thing. Um, uh, just like the most glorious king. So wise. Deeply wise man. Um, at least that's how the story goes. That's a sermon for another day. But uh, known far and wide for this. Known enough that someone from a foreign country who could not possibly know or care about the Jews, the Queen of Sheba from Ethiopia, basically, decided that she was going to come visit. This is someone who's even more wealthy than King Solomon. She brought spices with her as a gift, like, ton, like literal tons of spices. Spices that would make you weep if you got to taste them. <laughs> Carved furniture, just, she brought glories of wealth with her as a gift to this king that she had heard of. And when she arrived, she was overwhelmed by the experience that she had there. King Solomon was her match in wisdom, and they stayed up nights telling each other riddles and trying to solve the mysteries of the universe. I'm expanding a little bit on this, but that's what it says. <laughs> they were so intrigued by each other. She could not possibly have known what she was going to find. And maybe she was impressed with his wealth. It does say that at one point she says something like, um, your God must really care for you, must really love you and give you favor because of... <laughs> specifically because of your 2,000 wives. 
yay. Um, she sees something there. She knows it's not just Solomon himself, that there's something bigger happening, right? Um, outside of the Bible, there's stories that say that she and King Solomon had a child together um, who may or may not have stolen the Ark of the Covenant. Again, different sermon. But something happened there. Someone outside of the circle saw in and said, there is something there, something bigger. The early church, the very, very early church, the disciples were holding everything in common, were caring for each other in ways that people outside of the Christian church just couldn't understand. Why are you doing this? Why are you willing to go to your death in the arena in Rome? They say that the, the early church grew from the seed of the blood of the martyrs because those early Christians loved each other to the point of death. All these moments and more are theophanies. They are epiphanies. God revealing God's self and the people seeing the divine somewhere that they didn't expect, somewhere outside of what they thought. All these stories are of people being drawn to God via the people of God, not because we have all the right answers, because we can explain our faith perfectly, can't. And they're not even because, even maybe a little bit with the Queen of Sheba, but not even because we have the most beautiful worship spaces or because we are so, so righteous. Because we're not. It's because of the people, the light of what we have and what we can share. We are a city on a hill, shining our care and mercy and sacrifice and unconditional love. We become a lamp on the lampstand or an, a flashing open sign in the window of a restaurant, welcoming people in. People who are hurt, people who are hurt by the church, people who long for community like this, people who want something more or different. When we open ourselves up to see something outside, we participate in the miracles that God is doing. I talk about the Edge House all the time because that's where I work most of the time. Um, and those students are a miracle. They are a miracle. The Edge House community has helped students bear each other's burdens, as Galatians says, particularly in recent weeks, as a few of our students have been having a really hard time. These students offer each other and new members safety and belonging, what every human needs. They are angry for justice. They are committed to creating peace and transformation their sparkle, their excitement, their deep, deep care for each other. This is, this is a miracle, and I'm, I'm pulling something up because I want to read you literally just before this service. One of my students had heard me asking a question I'm going to ask later in the, in the sermon, what is the miracle of this place? And he wrote to me this morning, the miracle is beckoning those who need it most, but who may be the most likely to seek out help, the most unlikely to find refuge in community. The miracle is making meaning of the pain the world has inflicted by not shying away from it. The miracle is in the transformation of each person who intentionally and unintentionally embeds themselves within the space and within the community. The miracle is existing as a place so unimaginably beautiful that there is trust because it's clear every person was intentionally guided to this point and place for a reason. It's wild to see people outside 
that community. Look in and go, there's something there. What is this? I was at that house the other night and um, I was just standing in the kitchen talking to a student and there was a book club going on in the front room that another student was running. And this guy came in to the kitchen. He said, are you Alice? I was like, yeah. He said, I, I need to talk to you. I was like, okay. And he said, so you're in charge of this place? I said, yeah. Um, he said, so you provide coffee and like this space that we can come and like do this book club and it's like he was trying to process what he was saying, right? He said, I'm Muslim and it's okay for me to be here. I was like, yeah, it's great. I'm glad you're here. He's like, why? <laughs> that was his question. That's what he wanted to ask me. <laughs> and I was, I, was, I, was, I was not expecting that question, so I didn't really know how to answer it in the moment. Other than why not? <laughs> of course we do this, because you are worthy of love and belonging. Everyone who can come in the door is worthy of love and belonging and safety. This is what this community is, this deep, deep care, and it is a miracle. It's also your story. Not just because you support the Edge House, but because this community itself is a space of welcome, both with, within it and as you go and do that work out in the world. People are drawn to this. So I want to ask you a question again that I didn't intentionally mean to ask that, that student, but he heard me. What is the miracle of this place? Why are you here? What drew you here? What continues to draw you here? Could be when you first started, could be you've been here 20 years and like this particular thing is consistent. What is the miracle of this place? Go. The people, will you say more about that? The people are what keep you coming because they are supportive. Mm -hmm. Do they help you bear your burdens? Do they help you bear your burdens? I, honestly, if that's all we ever did, <laughs> it's massive. What else? What is the miracle of this place? And I'll turn around and look at the choir as well. Music. Mu oh, music! That was fortuitous. How so, Joey? Uh, for me, it helps me talk with the divine. Mm, that is miraculous. Helps him talk with the divine. Others? Family. How so? Mm -hmm. Sense of community and love and togetherness, absolutely. Introverts, you can go off high alert. I'm not going to keep pushing, don't worry. Uh, I want you to engage with this question this week. You don't have to answer it right now. It might take a little bit to kind of articulate it to yourself. But I do want you to think about it this week. What is the miracle of this place, of these people? In Isaiah, it begins with arise, shine, which is both uh, sort of a command for us. <sighs> arise and shine your own light. It's also, um, 
I can't remember what the grammatical phrase, what the grammatical description of it is, but it's, it's, a, it's a, an imperative. That is, um, God is going to help you do it. It's going to happen. Not just you should, but you will <laughs> arise, shine. And you don't have to do it by yourself, because God is helping raise you up to do that. We are a manifestation of love, of belonging and safety, the incarnation of God in people and community. We are, we are justice, what love looks like in public, says Cornell West. This is it. This is the call to the church. Epiphany. The showing of God. Showing forth God's love in every moment. God's presence in every moment. Manifesting not just the way the influencers say it, but more as an incarnation. It's not just the birth of Jesus, it's the creation in Genesis. Our bodies are created holy and good and useful to care for each other. So today as you leave, let us be epiphanies for each other. Amen.